Hi, Raphael Bender here, founder of Breathe Education, and you're listening to the Pilates Elephants podcast. There are many things that are awesome about the Pilates industry. However, many of the practices that we take for granted are out of date, illogical, or just plain pseudoscientific. These are the elephants in the room, and I'm here to talk about them openly and honestly, and with a couple of F-bombs thrown in for good measure. Pilates Elephants is about debunking the myths and giving you science-based tools to become a better, happier, and more fearless teacher who really fucking knows your stuff. I'm here with Dan Baker. Dan, hi. G'day, Raph. Great to be with you. It's awesome to be with you. So um, we're going to talk about how to help people and make money at the same time. And um, I'm really uh, keen to get into the discussion. But first, uh, could you just introduce yourself to the the listeners, you know, who you are, what you do, and you know, a little bit of a backstory? Yeah, sure. Um G'day Pilates Elephants listeners. Um, my name's Dan Baker. I'm a Pilates teacher here in Canberra, Australia. And for those who don't know, Canberra is the capital of Australia. Um, and it's a, it's a town of about half a million people in the region. Uh, and I've been a teacher for about 15 years now, scary to say. Uh, and um, I have a, a studio here in Canberra that's going really well. Uh, it's actually my second studio. Um, it's my second version of myself. Um, and I've got a team of six other teachers and we're living it up here in Canberra. It's awesome. I'm also a Breathe education trainer. I've joined the team uh, this year and I'm really excited about that too. And we're excited to have you on the team. So, um, all right. So, you know, today's topic is is exploring, you know, what what we I think you and I agree uh, is a false dichotomy between uh, making money and helping people. Hmm. Um, uh, but I, I really want to you know do this, you know, at least in part through the lens of looking at your business um, and you know and how you've managed to, you know basically strike a, I don't, I don't even think strike a balance. I think you've managed to do both of those things really well at the same time. So can you tell us a little bit about your business? Like, um, you know, where, where I, where is your business today? Like in financially and, and what, what's the journey, you know, give us a little bit of the backstory, the ups and downs, cause I'm sure like every business, it's not just like open your doors, immediate success, live happily ever no. after. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so tell us where you're at and, and then tell us sort of, you know, how you got here. Okay. Um, so our studio space, um, has, has grown to the point where uh, we're, we're probably turning over, um, about a quarter of a mil, um, uh, per annum and, um, I just had, I, I literally last week just spoke to my accountant, uh, and he sort of gave me a pat on the back and said, you're doing awesome. Um, because one in every $4 coming in through the door is a profit. 
that's after all expenses. Um, <laughs> that's amazing, so we're man. running we're running at about twenty five percent profit uh, margin, um, and you know it's it's been a, a slow and well. <laughs> Slow, maybe it's been fairly quick recently, but um, it's been a steady build All right. over the years. Can we un- yeah. can we unpack that just a little bit? All right, so twenty five percent profit margin on two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year is about sixty two thousand five hundred dollars. Is is that <laughs> quick quick sums? <laughs> is that is that your take home pay? No, no, I'm already I'm already drawing a wage, so this is on top of that. Right, so you get paid for the sessions that you teach, or you know yep. whatever it is yep. that you do in the business, yep. and then at after that you also after that it's, get it's got a, yeah. So yeah, so it's it's pretty healthy. <laughs> I'm pretty happy with that, um, especially especially because in that that period we had three months of COVID lockdown as mm. well, so wow. where we were earning. Not much money. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so next year you're on track for an even better year. Uh, well, little um, little whisper in my ear was that we were looking at a forty percent profit margin for this financial year. That's not too shabby. Better than the poking no. with the blunt stick. That's, yes, that's that's we're pretty happy with that, um, and particularly because you know, I I grew up <laughs> in the Pilates world where. You know, profit margins like that weren't necessarily a thing. It was like if you could, you know, squeak on by and maybe make ten percent profit, you're doing well. Um, yeah. So this, these sort of numbers are a little bit crazy. Mm, Wonder what it'll be the year after, hey? Well, maybe fifty percent. <laughs> um. All right. So. You know, I think there are two two things I'd like to explore here. I'm sure the people listen, many people listen to this, particularly studio owners, yeah. um, uh, want to know some of the details. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there are two. There's two kind of you know angles to this conversation that I really want to tease out. One is okay, just like okay, what's your what's your formula? How do you do that? Right. So yeah. that if somebody's listening, going, oh shit, you know, my studio's not doing that well. You know what do I need to do to get those kind of results? All right, so here's let's you know, if you can share what works for you. And the second thing is, uh, I really wanted to get into the, you know, the misconception that helping people and making a profit are kind of opposite ends of a scale somehow. You know <laughs> that that you know that they're mutually exclusive. You know, for, you know, making a you know profound difference in people's lives and having them you know thank you profusely. Uh, versus making money from them, you know, and it's like, oh no, why can't you do both at the same time? Yeah, it's almost like it's immoral to do it, and which is a little bit silly, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, all right. So let's let's explore that a little bit first, because I've, I my belief is that that view that that value. I don't know if it's a value or a, a belief or, or what, but that I, I guess it's a limiting belief in my mind. That limiting belief that, you know, making a lot of money and helping people, you know, in a real, in really important and meaningful ways are kind of mutually exclusive. To me, that is a massive limiting belief in the Pilates world. And I think in the healthcare world in general, like I know a lot of exercise physiologists, a lot of physiotherapists who hold that point of view. I, I think I 
probably just about every yoga instructor I've ever known has that <laughs> perspective, you know, one yeah. or two notable exceptions. Um, my friend, Jean Campbell, who's also, um, you know, quite business minded and uh, was on the podcast last week or the week That's before. Longer, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, um, but I think it's a, it's a very common belief system in, in the Pilates world. So, you know, I mean, do you, do you do you agree that that's a common belief belief system? Oh, a hundred percent, Raf. It's um, it's it's such a limiting belief that, and I, you know what, I can't really put my finger on where it comes from. It's it's so I I went through an ex, extensive training course to become a Pilates teacher, like many many people, um, and not a there was never any discussion about how to run a business uh-huh. or how to how to operate a small studio. It was uh-huh. mainly focused on on how to do repertoire and and do things crap things like posture analysis and all that jazz that I no longer do. Um, but there was never never a discussion about how to successfully <laughs> run a business. How to how do you go about teaching people? And you can't teach people unless you've got enough money to survive, like pay your rent, pay your, you know, food, electricity, all that sort of stuff. And to do that, you need to charge people money. And to charge people money, (laughs) you you, you have to provide value and so on and so forth. So um, it's, yeah, it's really interesting, a massive hole, I think, in in Pilates education is that it doesn't doesn't provide you a, a toolbox for want of a better word, um, to to implement a, a strategy to run a small business. Yeah, I reckon um, my personal uh, like guess as to why that's the case, and I don't know this for sure, but this is just like, you know, this is my current guess, is that, mm. uh, you know, most teacher training programs are delivered, you know, the people who are the trainers for the teacher training programs um, are studio owners. And so yeah. studio owners, you know, have a studio and they realize after owning their studio for 10 years that you don't make fuck all money uh, owning a studio. And they're like, oh, fuck, you know, I don't make any money. Um, but I could make great money if I was a teacher trainer and did some teacher yes. training programs. So actually yes. they are not in a position to educate their students on how to make money as a Pilates student because that's the whole point. That's why they're teacher trainers because <laughs> they don't know how to do that themselves. Now, yes. I apologize if I'm maligning anybody um you know, uh, unjustly. And if you're a, if you're a teacher trainer out there and you've got a kick-ass business, I'd love to hear from you. Please set me straight. Um, you can, uh, get in touch with me through a link in the show notes and I'd love to have a chat with you and, uh, learn, you know, what it is that you do and how you do it. Um, but all of the, all of the teacher training programs that I've had experience with, um, that's been the, the shape of it. Um, this, yeah. this, so I think, you know, it's, it's like, it's, they kind of leave that bit out of the course on purpose because <laughs> there's nothing, you know, there's, there's no useful information to impart there. And the second thing is, I think in relation to, like you said, you're not sure where that belief comes from. Um, I think it's, I think about this quite a bit. Um, I think it's rooted in the notion of fairness and I think in the Pilates world and again, in the exercise physiology and physiotherapy and yoga worlds, you know, we have this notion of, you know, people should be paid fairly and that, you know, we should charge our clients a quote fair price. Um, and 
I, I, I really take exception with this, um, with this notion. I feel like uh, the the idea that something is fair implies some kind of coercion on the part of one party. Mm. So it's like if I expect you to do X, but I don't, you know, but I'm, you know, if like if if I charge, you know, a certain amount for my services, right? Well, that's not fair to you if you can't afford it. Well, it's like I don't know, freaking Maserati charges six hundred thousand dollars for a car. Is that not <laughs> fair to you? No, you just choose not to fucking buy a Maserati. You know, you're like, that's right. you know, yeah. so. Maserati aren't forcing you to buy a six hundred thousand dollar car against your will. You know, people who buy Maseratis you know, choose to buy it because they think it's worth the money, right? And the people who don't think it's worth the money don't buy one. Yes. You know? So, so, so fairness doesn't come into it. You know, and and I think, oh, man, you know, please pull me down off my soapbox at some point. You know, before I go too far, but <laughs> but no, no, I like to I like to see where this goes, Raph. Um, well, here's the thing, like it's, it's, you know, and you and I've talked about this off air as well. It's about value exchange, right? So, you know, people yeah. will pay for something that they consider to be worth more than the money they pay for it, right? So, you know, like we all have things, you know, and, and things don't have, you know, the notion of fair implies that things have a fixed value. You know, the session is worth, you know, $20 and if you charge $25 for it, it's overpriced, right? Well, well, here's the thing. Value is individual, you know, va- you know, things have different value to different people. So for example, now, and there are countless examples of this in everybody's everyday life, right? So there are some people for whom expensive uh, herbal toothpaste that is organic and biodynamic and you know, harvested by virgins in the full moon <laughs> is, is worth every cent, right? And is, you know, 10 times the price of the, you know, supermarket brand, right, is worth every cent because of, you know, perceived health benefits or, or whatever, right? And then there are other people who think that's a total waste of money. And if you buy anything except the cheapest toothpaste with fluoride in it, you're wasting your money, right? There are some people who think that, uh, you know, $1,000 pair of Manolo Blahnik pumps are worth every cent, right? And some people who can't tell the difference between those and a $2.99 pair of, you know, from the op shop. That would be me. Right. <laughs> there are some people that think that a $600,000 Maserati is worth every cent and some people that think, well, how is that better than a Toyota Corolla that gets you from A to B reliably, you know, for yeah. one one hundredth of the price, right? There are some people, like we could go on and on and on. There are some people that think that organic food is worth more money. Other people think it's a waste of money. Like there are just, there are so many examples in every area of, of commerce that people value things differently and there is no, you know, objective value to anything. It's like it's, you know, things are valuable to people depending on that person's own set of values and priorities. So, you know, like this notion of fairness, not a thing in my view. I I, I think that is also tied up with the uh, a sort of a, a skewed or a biased view of what, we do as Pilates teachers. So, like ultimately, what we're what we're doing is we're we're there. We're the cheer squad. We're encouraging people to exercise. That is it. The notion that we're some sort of magical fairies that can change someone's posture, and that everybody needs to have that happen to them is, you know, that's by the way of a dodo. That's gone. It. 
I, I, th I think, and that, and in that, then there's this view that you can't possibly teach quality movement to a room full of 12 people on reformers. Huh. You need to be one-on-one. -on -one, you need to be, or two-on-one. You can't possibly teach your magical fairy method to a room full of people. Uh, and that, yeah, that's yeah, just wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, what really uh, is wrong to me about that, just from a commercial standpoint, like obviously I agree with you on the waste of time about teaching posture and stuff, but um, just purely from considering like the exchange of value. Um, here's where I think that that idea is is wrong. Is that you know fundamentally in what you just the view that you just expressed. I don't know it's not your view, but the the view that you expressed that basically you get paid for the quality of instruction that you give, right? Mm. Um, is that 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 says the value in that in that equation resides in what you do, right? Yes. So if you work hard and diligently and skillfully, what you do is worth more. Yep. Right. Whereas if you kind of are lackadaisical or give less attention or you know less care or less skill or whatever, then what you do is intrinsically worth less. And so that's that's the view there is that the the value resides in your effort and your output as an instructor. Whereas in reality, right, and everybody listening to this has lived this by voting with your own wallet, okay. The value doesn't reside in how hard or well the person providing the service works. It resides in the experience and results of the people person receiving yeah. the service, right? Yep. So just say you hire a web developer, right, to develop your new website, right? So just say you hire a real, uh, you know, new web developer who's not that experienced, right? And they build your website and they work really hard, you know, for hours now, 12 hours a day for six days a week for a month. And they build your website and it's, you know, it's an adequate website. It's not a bad website, right? And then they charge you an amount of money, right? Well, would it be worth more or less to you, okay, to have an expert web developer build your better website in a quarter of the time? Yeah, of course right? it is. So even though that person spent a quarter of the time and probably a lot less effort, you know, they weren't doing 12-hour days, they were doing four-hour days, right? Because <laughs> it's much easier for them, right? Yeah. So, but, you, but that would be worth more money, okay, to most people, right? I'd rather have a better one in half the, or a quarter of the time. That would be worth more. It's not about how hard the person worked to produce it. It's about the result that you achieve as the client, you know? W would you rather go and... Uh, you know, to a surgeon that it was their first, you know, surgery, you know, or the surgeon that was their 10,000th surgery, right? Well, the, the, most of us would say, I'd rather go to someone who was their 10,000th surgery. Um, and that person will probably do it in half the time as the, the new person, right? But we, that, we don't care, right? We're not saying, no, well, you no. only worked half as long, therefore it's worth half as much, I'm not going to pay you as half as much right? Because we're not paying them for their effort. We don't fundamentally don't care how hard that person worked or whatever. We just care that they did a good job. Yes. Right? We care about the results. We care about the results. And for our clients, okay, for in many areas of life, the results, and in Pilates, this is absolutely true, the results that you that clients get are not tied to how hard or skillfully the instructor works, hmm. right? I mean, there are many you know, like many of us have had experience of being profoundly affected, like having our life like changed in real meaningful ways 
by people that we've never met and who who never, you know, like you've read a book by someone written 200 years ago, right? Or you went to a concert and sat in the front row, right? Or you attended like a, some kind of event like Tony Robbins or, you know, Brene Brown's TED Talk or, you know, like some people have, quite a few people have written to me and said they've had experiences like this from listening to Pilates Elephants. You know, there are so many examples of, you know, people having life-changing, you know, experiences that required zero input, you know, zero direct input from the person who facilitated that, right? So, I mean, if you've had, if you, if you have, if you're out there listening to Pilates Elephants and you've, you feel that you've had any kind of life-enhancing benefit from this, right? Well, you are one of 150,000 people <laughs> who listens to this <laughs> podcast, right? And and for, for 99.999% of you, I've never met you, I've never heard of you, we've never interacted, right? And so I didn't give you any personal attention, okay? But that doesn't mean that we can't have this relationship where, you know, you benefit, Right, and it's the same if you've attended a Tony Robbins event or a Madonna concert or read a book or a Brene Brown talk or whatever. It's like that person, how hard they work and how much of their attention you have, is irrelevant to the amount of benefit you get from that exchange. What are your thoughts on that, Dan? Yes, I um, I 100% agree. And in a Pilates context, it's I think the 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 value that our clients, our our students get from their classes is that change, is the change that we can offer and create by having that experience of skilled instruction. But the skills, the the idea that we're that we're some sort of magical fairies giving one-on-one instruction is not the skills that that should be highlighted. The skills that are highlighted are should be highlighted are you know really kick-ass programming, really kick-ass queuing, you know progressive loading, things like that. That we we can grow our own skill sets in those, <clears throat> but the one-on-one. You know, overcuing the breath, overcuing micromanaging movement—that doesn't need to be done, and that's not—that's not where the value lies. The value lies in the client coming, having that awesome experience, and going away, going, "Oh, geez, I worked hard in that class. Oh, geez, I feel really strong. Oh, I feel great today. I feel energized. That was a good experience." Um, the the teacher knew my name. That that like. Little things like that. That's what they they take away. Not um, the teacher micromanaged every single movement, so I did a squat really well. You know, but I need them to tell me how to do it again. Yeah, and you can so you can provide that value. You know, like the the experience in class, the positive experience, both just in terms of the social interaction and also the the physical benefits of the class. You can provide that with very minimal actual interaction between you, direct interaction between you and the particular client. So you can teach a group of 20 or 30 people, or even, I mean, if you're you 2 or Madonna, you can teach a group of 100,000 people, or if you're ACDC, yeah. you can teach a group of 7 million people or something, whatever, <laughs> you know, and, and they can all go away going, oh my God, 
you know, best moments of my life, you know. Yep. Um, and even, even uh, you know, so, all right, so this is kind of the, you know, the value doesn't reside in there. There is no inherent value to something. It's just like it's, it's things have different value to different people. Some things are worthless to some people and you know, priceless to other people and there's yep. everything in between. And then the value for each person doesn't reside in how hard you work as an instructor it it or 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 anything that you do as an instructor per se the value resides in the experience and the results that the client obtains because people fundamentally i mean when you go to the dentist as you know you don't go to the dentist you don't choose one dentist because they work hard right you choose a dentist because they make it an enjoyable you know easy quick accessible you know, all of whatever the things are that you choose on, but it's, none of it's to do with the dentist. It's to do with your experience and the results you get from that interaction. And I, I would, you know, argue strongly that for every everything you ever pay money for, <laughs> that's that's <laughs> how you choose it, right? You choose it based on the convenience, the, the the social status you get, the the experience, the results, you know, all of these things. But you don't fundamentally give a rat's ass about how hard the person in the supermarket's working to stack the shelves so that you get the items. What you care about is whether the items are there when you go there or not. Yeah, and what your experience in the shop is like. Right. Yeah. So the third thing I just want to tease out here is just in relation to prices, right? Yeah. So if just say you are doing one-on-ones, right? Because yep. I, I do believe very strongly there is a place for one-on-one instruction in our And we industry. still have, have that option for our studio as well. Right. That's a, that's an option that people can choose. Right. And, you know, I'm going through shoulder rehab at the moment and I'm doing one-on-ones with an instructor. Yep. Yeah. So I think there's absolutely a value, you know, to, to one-on-ones in, in the right time and place for, for the right people. Um, or, you know, or group classes, it applies as well. But basically how much you charge, right? So you could basically say, okay, I'm doing a one-on-one, you know, and I charge $50, and someone else could do the same amount of time for $100, and someone else could do the same amount of time for $200, you know? Yeah. And is one fair or unfair? Um, well, I just, I mean, I think, I honestly don't know how much I just paid, but I just did a one-on-one last night with Adam Meekins. I think it cost me like 160 bucks or something like that. I found it interesting you don't know how much you paid. Yeah, well, that's kind of cool. It's because I don't cool. give a shit how much I pay. That's right, right. <laughs> so you're worried again. You're results focused. So, like, and you're going to go to the dude, Adam, um, for shoulder rehab, <laughs> and it doesn't matter how much it costs. Right, because I'm yeah. I'm not going to him because he's the cheapest or the most expensive. I'm going to him because I trust him to yeah. you know get me the result that I want. You know, and 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 the session's an hour, but after 50 minutes, I was like, okay, I think we're done, right? Because he'd showed me all the exercises that I, you know, wanted and I'll, you know, we'd talk, I'd ask him some questions about, oh, what do I do if this happens? What should I do about that? You know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, there was nothing else to say or do. So I was like, okay, great, we're done. You know, yep. so I didn't feel like I'm not paying him for the hour. I'm paying him to help rehab my shoulder, you know, and and I don't care if it takes five minutes or an hour, you know, or anything in between. So I I. I think the the I, you know honestly don't know how much it is, but whatever it is, I'm glad to pay it because I feel like I'm getting what I need. You know, it's like if you want to go and buy some fresh raspberries, you know, would you 
buy the ones that are fresh or would you buy the bruised ones that are all crushed up? It's like, well, no, the bruised ones that are crushed up are worth nothing. You know, yeah. like they don't have a value, but the fresh ones, like if you're giving a, if you're, if you're icing a cake for your, you know, child who loves fresh raspberries and it's their special birthday, it's like, who cares if the raspberries are $7 a punnet or $20 a punnet? You're going to get the raspberries. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and and the, the value of them, you know, doesn't reside in the price or whatever. It resides in the fact that they're fresh and plump and lovely and you going to have an amazing moment with your child and, and something you'll treasure forever, you know? And, and so, uh, I think the, the, the dichotomy here is, is a false one between how much you charge and how much money you make versus, you know, how much you help somebody like in my, in my example of shoulder rehab, I feel like Adam's helping me on a very profound level. Um, or after one session, I already have more confidence to move my shoulder in, you know, in ways that I didn't yesterday. Uh, and to me, like that is essentially priceless. And so, I, you know, I just don't, I don't see, what, like if he was charging me half the price, I, one, I probably wouldn't notice. But two, if I did, I would just think like, well, why is he charging so little for some, such an awesome <laughs> service? <laughs> yeah, I, I would be, yeah, I'd be expecting him to charge a lot. And, you know, and this is, this, this was a, like a telehealth thing, wouldn't it be as yeah. well? This was Adam, yeah. Adam on Zoom with COVID uh, yeah. in, on my phone in my basement, uh, yeah. Yeah, me with some, just lying on the floor doing some exercises. But like five years ago, if you said <laughs> to people, uh, you know, I saw a physio and it charged me, what, $150, <laughs> but he wasn't in the room, they'd laugh at you. Yeah. But but all I wanted was his advice, right? I wanted his yeah. guidance on, okay, do two more, go a bit deeper, you know, do three, three sets of these, take a break if it hurts, whatever. You know, like I wanted his advice and for him to say, no, it's perfectly safe for you to do that, you know, or don't do that or whatever, you know, like, and to me... I don't care if he tells me that. It's actually more convenient for me. I don't have to travel to go to him. Plus, well, no, no risk yeah. of COVID. And, and then more va- that's more value, right? <laughs> it's more well, convenient for It's you. more convenient. <laughs> yeah. Right. I prefer him uh, online than the local physio, which is a 20-minute drive away. Yep. Um, all right. So, I mean, is there anything else that you want to add to this kind of angle of the conversation about, like, you know, separating the notion of, making money, you know, being a bad thing versus helping people being a good thing? And can we just kind of go, well, why not do both? Yeah, well, I mean, especially why not do both? Because if if your business, if your small business is making money, okay, let's uh, like extrapolate it out. If you're, you know, you've been in business for a couple of years and you're starting to turn a profit and, and what are you going to do with that profit? You can actually reinvest that into your business expand your premises or hire a new staff and then then make more money and help more people like if you if you want to help people it's actually important that you do make a profit because the more you're profiting the more people you can possibly help it's like this snowball effect i love that and and not only the more people you can help the more you can help each person like if you're yeah. if, if you're doing say uh i don't know one-on-ones and you're charging, you know, $50 a session, an hour, right? Well, and you have to see like, you know, 40 clients a week to make the money that you need to pay your mortgage and all the rest of it, okay? Well, 
versus if you were charging $200 an hour, right? And you could see a quarter of the same of the number of clients to make the same money, right? In a quarter of the time. Well, how much more attention and service could you give each client? How much extra time would you have before and after sessions to like read their history and call up their physio and think about programming and then text them in between sessions to motivate them and, you know, all of that stuff versus if you run off your feet charging $50 an hour and, you know, barely scraping by. And that, the same goes for group classes, right? If you're charging $10 yeah. a class and you've only got five, five people in a group class, you know, how many classes do you have to teach each week <laughs> to, to make ends meet? To cover the rent. <laughs> right. Versus if you're you know, charging $20 a class and you've got 20 people in the class, how many classes do you have to teach? And then how much better service can you give to those people because you're not flat out just making ends meet the whole week? And that's, I think that's why the, the whole industry, the Pilates industry, there's such a high churn rate, a burnout rate of, of teachers is that they're, they're just chasing their tails all the time because they, 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 they want as many people to come to their classes as possible so they think, oh, I'll charge less. And then by charging less, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage. So you have to teach more classes and then you spend all your day just teaching classes and you don't have time for yourself. And then you just burn out and and you're you're no use to anyone. Yeah. hundred percent. And you start resenting it, you know? Yeah. And I've been there. Me too. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Um, and the, the, the other thing uh, in relation to like, you know, being able to help more people, as you say, is, you know, when you have more profit is like, that's, that's an actual true phenomena that we experience in, in our business that, you know, we charge high prices for our education. And so we have a profitable business. Our profit margin at the moment is about 25%. Uh, and our, we're also shooting for 40%, um, you know, by the middle of this year. Uh, and what that, enables us to do is do heaps of fucking free shit for people that can't afford to do our high price stuff. Right. So for example, we've recorded a podcast every week for the last 73 weeks. We haven't missed a week over Christmas, New Year's, Easter, you know, all the rest of it. This is for free, right? We have no sponsors. We don't get paid a cent for doing this podcast. Why do we do it? Because it's like we're giving stuff to people you know, because we don't have to make money out of it because we make plenty of money in the, in the main business. You know, I do free community sessions once or twice a month, you know, like there are so many things, you know, I wrote a book and released it for five bucks. There are so many things that you can afford to do when you have a really profitable business. You can run a community class or you can, you know, give to charity or you can like, there are so many things that you can do because you have the money and time to do it. And yeah. And the time. Yeah. It's, um, uh, yeah, and I, I, I love that, Raf, the idea of having a community class because a lot of Pilates teachers are very altruistic and they, and they don't want people who can't afford to do Pilates classes to miss out as well. And so that's part of the whole rationale between, I think, behind having really low prices because they want as many people to do it as possible. But if you have, you know, more profitable pricing, then you can run that free class that you run at the community centre, you know, once a week or once a month or whatever you want to do. Or like, every day if you want. Ways. Or every you day know. even, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, I think absolutely. People make that mistake of like, oh, I want my classes to be accessible for people who can't afford it. So they put the price down for everyone across the board. Everyone, so even yeah. people on $200,000 a year, oh, it's only, you know, $8 a session, you know. 
well, that person would happily pay $30 a session, <laughs> wouldn't even notice the difference, you know. Um, and so why not charge the, 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 the premium, you know, people on a high income, charge them a high price that they will be happy to pay and then have the people who can't afford that price come in at maybe an off-peak time for a half-price class or free class or whatever. It's like, you know, you, you, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. Yeah, that's right. So true. It can be everything. It can be all of the above. <laughs> all of the above. All right. Do you reckon we've covered that or is there, any, is there anything else? Because my hope is that, you know, and I know we won't do it from just one conversation, but, no. but my hope is that we can, you know, we can influence some change in this conversation, in the public conversation in this industry, and it can become, you know, less of a sort of a shameful admission, you know, to, to, that you're making money <laughs> and more, <clears throat> you know, more something to celebrate that shows, you know, the fact that you're making a lot of money, you know, is a you know, indicator. It's, it's, it's a barometer of how much your clients value your services. Yeah. Yeah. And we should be celebrating the, the people in the Pilates industry who've been successful because they're, they're helping bring more clients to your studio, your local studio. <laughs> so those international stars like Mari Windsor, she was, she was a game changer back in the day um, because she spread the word about what Pilates was. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I remember her infomercials on Late Night Television. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking, what the hell is this thing? <laughs> um, all right, so let's let's switch gear into the you know dance how to make uh, you know how to make money in a in a Pilates studio. Can you just give us a brief overview of actually the setup in your studio? So, like, what equipment do you have? What sort of classes and sessions do you offer? Okay. Sure. Um, so we have uh, four different ways to access Pilates with Dan classes. We run um, group reformer classes. We run group mat work classes, and then we have a format which we call circuit, which basically is kind of like a mix of both. Um, we're using kind of just traditional sort of, uh, in air quotes, functional exercises like squats and, and push-ups and things like that, uh, mixed in with some more Pilates-centered stuff like the 100 and you know, rollovers. Um so we have uh, so what's that reformer mat work and circuit they're all what we consider to be our group classes and then we have our like clinical equipment classes which we run in groups of four two or one which we call quartets duets and solos right and that's on the trap table the barrels and all yeah that yeah we've got the full full range of Pilates torture equipment all right, and so how when? All right, so let's unpack some of this because sure. what something that I've become aware of is that in Australia, when we say group uh, versus in the rest of the world, I think where we say group, we don't necessarily mean the same thing. So, what do you mean when you say group mat group reformer? How, okay, like, so how many? Okay, so uh, our studio is not super huge. Uh, so our mat workspace, we have up to ten people. And our reformer class is up to seven reformers, because that's just the space we have. Mm -hmm. And uh, and and how much how much do how much do I pay for a group session with Pilates with Dan? 
Okay, so we have a few different ways to purchase things. We give people some options based on budget. We have membership options, which give you access to one, two, three, or unlimited classes per week. These are group classes. Or you can buy classes individually or in packs. Um, the most popular, we're, we're, we're running about 50-50 between people running memberships and packs. Um, and matwork classes start at $25 a head and reformer classes are $35 a head. Right, and then they go down from there depending on which, if you buy a bigger pack or a longer membership or yeah, whatever. Yeah, you, you get a 10% discount for a bigger pack. Um, and the memberships uh, off the top of my head. So you've got you can the memberships are weekly, so they pay per week. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's either thirty, fifty, seventy-five, or one hundred and ten per week, depending on how many classes you want to do. Yep. Yep. All right, and and so presumably you've adjusted the the relative pricing of all each of those packages to kind of encourage people to you know swing one way or the other, right? So if you make the, the the passes cheaper, you're not going to sell any memberships. If you make the memberships cheaper, you'll sell fewer passes sort of thing. Yeah. It, 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 it's We're using cunning math. Um, and basically, uh, if someone wants to outlay more money in their budget, they, they end up buying a pack. If someone wants to have like a, a weekly budget where they're just going to spend $50 a week on Pilates, they choose a membership. It, it basically works out to be within, I think, 50 cents of each other. Right. So it's just the ones and sort of an upfront payment and the other ones spread over time. Yeah, exactly. All right. And so, so you know, if you had to uh, sort of articulate, you know, what, what you think is the kind of the key ingredients of that financial success that you've achieved, like what, what do you attribute it to? Um. So I attribute it to two things, um, mainly uh, a few years ago, I uh, Leslie Logan visited the country and um, I, I had no contact with her um, apart from knowing her from social media and I knew that she was doing sort of business-centred stuff. And at the time, our business had moved from being a little tiny sort of studio in my lounge room and I would, I would go out to corporate areas to teach matwork classes. Um, and I had sort of maxed out how much I could possibly earn in that space. Um, and we also ran into the same problem, uh, a problem at the same time where the business qualified to GST. So in Australia, if a small business earns more than 75000 per annum, um, you need to pay the government 10%. <laughs> GST. Um, so, uh, so I made the decision that if if we're going to hit that threshold, we might as well go like a long way past it. So at least I'm still growing the business. Um, so we, so I set the goal to sort of go. Okay, we're about to make seventy five thousand. Okay, let's see if we can push it to a hundred, so that the impact of that. Um, GST is minimised. Um, so we decided to have at least a commercial space. Uh, and so, of course, when you have a commercial space, you've got rents, you've got outgoings like electricity that you need to start to account for. And so 
the timing was perfect. Leslie Logan was coming to Australia. She's an expert in helping business. She just so happened to be going to Melbourne at Breed Education's location. And I knew a little bit about Breed Education at the time and kind of liked the things that they were doing. So I thought I'd kill two birds with one stone and go to that, meet Leslie Logan, do do the little course that she had. And bring me uh, down to Pilates with Dan Tao. <laughs> yes, and, and give you a present <laughs> um, and just uh, say good day and, and uh, meet you, which was a great thing, and, and met a lot of the Breathe Education team and um, got some connections. But her, she had a tip that, that has stuck with me for, it, for a, a, all the way in that if you have an idea of what how much you want to earn, and you can break that down per how much you need to do that per week to get that and then break that up into how many classes would that have to be and see if you can tweak your prices so that you're teaching less but still earning the same amount of money. And that that simple sum, it, it might seem really straightforward and obvious. <laughs> it does to me now. But at the time... I was just struggling. I was just struggling because I was running all the classes myself. I was doing 45 classes a week. Um, you know, we had our our third baby was here. We had no sleep. Like, it was just a nightmare. <laughs> it was an absolute nightmare. And um, I, I needed that help. I needed someone to tell me, hey, this is the formula. This is the, this is the equation you need to stick to. And uh, I put that equation in. Did a little change of the books, and bam, we not just met the hundred grand. We went to one hundred and fifteen, and I thought, wow, from seventy five to one hundred and fifteen income, k one hundred and fifteen thousand. That was like, oh, that's is amazing. And then we just tweaked it and tweaked it and tweaked it. And the following year, it was one hundred and forty. So it went from one hundred and fifteen to one hundred and forty thousand. And so, oh, this is really, really working. Except what was happening was that I was still teaching all the classes. Right, all right. So, sorry, I just want to, I want to ask you there about, because that formula, I think, you know, and massive shout out to Leslie Logan, um, who I'm a huge fan of, and um, I think has great advice. She's been on the podcast a couple of times, and she's the genius in this space. Um, but, and I think that, you know, her little formula is one of those things that it's like, it's not obvious until you know it, and then it's blindingly yeah. obvious. I know. You know? <laughs> um, like I'm hitting myself on the head, like, why, why didn't I see this? Right, but I think that's kind of the nature of, like, you know, a lot of kind of fundamental truths in this realm is that, like, they're not obvious at all until you know them. And once you know them, you're like, holy shit, that is so fucking obvious. <laughs> right? Why didn't I think yeah. of that before? Um, but it's really, it really is so simple. It's like, okay, just say you want to make $1,000 a week. We'll just go, okay, well, how many sessions do I want to teach? I want to t- teach 20. Well, uh, you know, if I want to teach 20, 20 sessions and make $1,000 a week, I've got to charge $50 a session. Bam. Yep. You know? Easy. That's it, the formula. <laughs> <laughs> and then you just go, ah, well, how much am I currently charging? 35. Ah, well, there's my problem right there. There's you my know? problem, yep. <laughs> so, so, so you design, you know, Leslie, and she also does, you know, design, helps you design your, she has the same formula, basically, it helps you design your ideal schedule. So like, how many sessions do you want to teach a week? So yep. basically, rather than starting from what should I charge, you start from like, well, what do I want to earn? <laughs> 
And and the next thing you ask is, well, how much do I want to work to earn that? And then that tells you what you have to charge. It's easy. Yep. I think uh, in that course, you also had a, a formula about setting up your weekly calendar. So figuring out what's important to you, what do you need to do? Like, you know, drop the kids off at school, pick them up, go to kids' soccer. Is that important to you? Yes. Then you need to allot the time. Um, and then, so what I saw from that was that my my calendar, my weekly calendar, was shrinking and shrinking and shrinking um, into how many pot classes I could possibly teach, and still, you know, be the father to my three children and you know a good husband and and look after the, the house and all the all the other stuff, the minutia of things you have to do as a adult human, um, and. I, I, from that course, I realised, ah, oh, I really need, I need another teacher. Mm-hmm. And so, the following year, we hired our, I hired my first teacher to to help me out with classes. Um, and, and, and how many yeah. how many classes do you teach currently, Dan? Well, the, the good news is, of of um, you know, as of. Uh, late last year, I've been pairing my my classes back. So now, uh, as of as of the end of February here in Australia, um, uh, I teach twenty six classes a week. Now. All right. So I think this is a this is a profound truth that uh, I think is kind of the the belief shift that has to uh, that has to happen for people to unlock that next level. So to go from like a hundred thousand a year in in. Yep sales and revenue to, you know, the next level, which is say like $300,000 a year. This is the belief that people need to unlock is that you can't work harder to get from a hundred thousand to 300,000. You know, when you work, when you're at a hundred thousand, you are maxed out on 45 sessions a week. Okay. And now you're at what you're at a quarter of a million. You're teaching less sessions. Yeah. Right. And, and that's, that's not despite teaching less sessions that's because you teach less sessions you now have time to work on the business you're not working flat out in the business so tell us about that transition oh and i was the point i was just going to add there and and the curious thing is that i went from doing 46 sessions a week earning a hundred thousand the whole studio as a whole is only now teaching five extra sessions so it's 51 sessions per week so with my team and myself and now it's you know it's a two and a half, nearly three times bigger. So the the next that the well that missing, tells me that you've put your prices up quite a bit. Well, yes, but we also what we did is we went from um, so around about this change we I I hired more teachers and did less hours, but you also. A, a big kudos to you, Raphael Bender, because um, not so long – well, actually, it's probably a little while ago now. Maybe uh, COVID's messed things up in my head, but it was probably 18 months ago, I'd say. I, you did a Q&A on Facebook about prices and about what you charge for your, your classes and, and figuring out how to maximise profit. And – like uh, I'm not sure. I can't remember the date. I'm sorry, but it's it's probably still out there in the zeitgeist. Um, but you had this really, you did this beautiful thing where you you broke down uh, the space of a studio and talking about adding more reformers to the studio. 
And it was around about that time. We we only had five reformers at the time. Um, and so based on the math and the space that I had, I figured I could fit another five reformers in. And from from there, we tweaked things a bit so that we got ended up getting four reformers in. But um, by adding those reformers, bam, <laughs> the profits just went through the roof. We went from a comfortable sort of, you know, making 10, 15, or oh, 20% profit, and then suddenly it's just astronomical, the, the difference. And we haven't added a large number of reformer classes or anything like that. That would be the next step if we really wanted to recruit more students. Um, we add, we've added, I think we've doubled our number of reformer classes that we have. We cut out some of the other classes that weren't making money, added more reformer classes, and having the extra reformers increased profits massively because the cost, the input costs of running those classes was the same cost. Yeah. So, yeah, and and I will link to that uh, recording of that session in the show notes. It's just free on Vimeo. You can just go watch it. Um, And I think the the big – I'm so glad you – you know, that – uh, helped you, Dan. And the big take-home message I hope hope people take from that is that every reform, like if you're if you're charging twenty five bucks a session, and you're teaching forty eight weeks a year, and you're you're doing twenty classes a week, every extra reformer you add to that room, assuming you can fill it, is worth twenty four thousand dollars a year to you, and that goes straight to profit, right? Yep. So if you're making a hundred thousand dollars, you know, with five reformers, and you add one more reformer, and you make an extra twenty four thousand dollars. The whole twenty four thousand is profit. It's profit. Yeah. <laughs> Which so and, so you go from making a hundred thousand dollars with ten thousand dollars profit to making one hundred twenty five thousand dollars with thirty five thousand. So you, you quadruple your profit just by adding one reformer yeah. potentially. You know, so it's yeah. like the math is insane. <laughs> yeah, and when when you broke it down, and again, it was it was kind of like the Leslie Logan moment. It's just like that's so obvious, <laughs> but but again, as a a Pilates teacher, it, it wasn't taught to me. I, I've I've come from a background of science and not business, and you know, equations and and formula are, are really good for me. But but the the whole idea of profit and loss wasn't a thing in my head, um, and so I, I I needed that little push from you and Leslie Logan just to hey, here's the equation. Oh right, then that's obvious. Yeah. Um, more reformers right, equals that. more, more money. Reformers yeah. Equals more money. Yeah. And and the the other issue I was coming up with was at I ha, my own stubbornness is to blame a little bit for for the slow growth in that that I still love teaching mat work classes. So we had a space where the reformers are now, so we could I could teach 14, 15 people in a mat work class, but the profit margins weren't great. <laughs> Because uh, people were getting matwork classes for about twenty bucks, uh-huh. so you know, so you do the math and go that same space I can put reformers in, charge more. I only need seven bodies, and I'm making more money than if I was had fourteen, fifteen people in that class. So uh, the the importance of going out and advertising becomes less because you only need half the number of people. Right, so all the math works out, and it was just being shown the math that was the the thing that the 
that I needed to do and also getting over the fact that, yes, I might like teaching classes that way, that way classes like that, but I don't have the people coming to my door so that I can teach it. I've got people asking for reformer classes. Yeah. Why don't I teach that? Give the people what they want. Give the people what they want. Get over yourself, Dan. <laughs> um, all right. So the two big things for you, I mean, I think obviously you're, you have an entrepreneurial bent and, you know, because you, you know, the whole thought process behind, huh, well, we're about to break 75,000, let's crack 100, you know, that was there already for you. Um, and so, you know, th- I think there's the, the the thing that you didn't mention that's kind of the invisible ingredient is your sort of inherent desire and, you know, drive to improve the business and to to, to grow the business and to make the business more successful. Would, would you agree with yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. There's a little bit, I think, partly because the business is called Pilates with Dan. So having my name on the door, there's, there is a bit of a, I don't want to say pride because that's, but I suppose there, there's a little bit of pride and being a successful business with your name on the door is you, you want it to succeed. You want it to do well. And you, especially with COVID in uh, the COVID days where, you know, things were looking pretty murky and grim, um, there was still a desire to do well and do the best that I could in even in these limiting times when we couldn't have people turn up to the studio. Uh, another, I think I'm, I'm loving this conversation. I hope people at home are getting value from it. Um, so another, I think there is another invisible uh, success ingredient there. So the, the two things that you mentioned, are Leslie Logan's you know, magic formula of like, well, how much do you want to earn? How many classes do you want to teach? Well, one divided by the other is how much you got to charge per session. Uh, and then the just the simple math of like, well, more reformers equals more dollars. And it's not like two more reformers, you know, if you add 10% more reformers, you get 10% more profit. It's like if you add 10% more reformers, you get quadruple the profit. Yeah. And like if someone doesn't believe you, you need to put the, the equation out there because it's it's quite staggering. Yeah. So if, if you want me to walk you through the math, just click on the link in the show notes and I'll do it for free and there's nothing for sale in the video. It's just, I want you to. I want you to yep. succeed. I want you to put in more reformers out there, people. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and all right, so there are those two things. Those are things, two things that you mentioned. And then the thing that I've I've noticed there from what you said is that basically your inherent drive and desire to succeed, um, which sort of fueled the whole thing and you know gave you the passion to actually implement, uh, be interested in the first place, and then to implement those things. The next thing that I would like to draw out, which I think is you know thing number four, that is the like the you know magic ingredient for Dan's success formula of how to make a 40% profit margin on your Pilates studio is uh, you've replaced yourself to a certain extent with people. And so one of the, one of, if not the biggest uh, sort of challenge that I hear from studio owners, and I talk to a shitload of studio owners, is I can't find or keep good staff. So Mm. how have you, how do you attract the right people? How do you select the right people, you know, when you have more than one applicant for a job, how do you choose Mm. the right one? How do you keep those people? Because another classic thing is, you know, you get someone in, it's their first job, you train them up, as soon as they're good, they leave and 
go start their own thing or work somewhere else. So yeah, yeah. So how do you how do you how have you? And, and sorry, the last thing I want to ask you about that is how do you let go? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how do you let go, Raph? It's really hard um, because there, there's this fear, right, that if, if you're running around doing all the things, nobody can possibly do it like you, so you better just keep doing it. Um, and, you know, if Mrs. Jones comes in and has a different teacher, how's is she going to be able to cope? And if she really, the new really person likes my won't, sessions. won't know that yeah. Mrs. Jones always prefers the corner reformer and she likes the That's blue right. therapy, not the green theraband. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And so, and if if Mrs. Jones doesn't like this new person, then we're going to lose her as a client. She's going to tell her friends not to go, and et cetera, et cetera. But guess what? Mrs. Jones is going to be totally fine. She she actually might end up liking this new teacher more. And I've had that happen. I've had that happen with with clients who I've been teaching for years. They try one of my new teachers, and they're like, "Oh my God, Tara's amazing!" And so then they book in with her all the time now. And I don't see them except for maybe at the end of year Christmas party. Um, so, and I'm okay with that because I know Tara is going to be doing an awesome job with Mrs. Jones and Mrs. Jones is well looked after and she's improving and she's getting everything she wants. And more importantly, from a business perspective, she keeps booking in. All right. So, in. so, so, how do you find the Taras of the world? And shout out to Tara and all. all, all <laughs> Tara's amazing. It's, it, it's it's her birthday today too. So happy birthday, Tara! If you hear this, happy birthday, Tara! <laughs> um, so, how do you? So, we have. It's it's. We've only been hiring teachers for the last three years, um, but in my previous studio, we. Uh, I had a teaching team that that I didn't really have full control over because I inherited them, and so I learned a few lessons that that I made sure that I didn't make the same mistake again. Um, the first thing is that if you want to come to teach at my studio, you have to be at the studio. <laughs> you have to be coming to our classes um, because I we didn't. I'm not going to hire someone I don't know, and by coming to our classes, it's all, it's like a self-selection process. If someone's coming to our classes and kind of likes our classes, guess what? They're probably going to be a good fit. Uh-huh. If, if someone's coming to our classes and go and is saying to themselves under their breath, oh, God, I hate, I hate the way he cues this and I hate, I hate this reformer, and they're not going to be a good fit. Simple as that. So the first thing is you have to be coming to our, our classes. This, the second thing that I would say if, if you're going to teach at our studio is that um, you, you kind of have to – we have this community in our studio and there's a vibe. And, and it's hard to explain, but if you're a part of that vibe, you get it and you just fit in. And it, we're kind of like a little family but of 500 people <laughs> and um, – yeah, everyone everyone's nice to each other. It's it's quite a unique situation. I, in my other studio, you'd have people that hate each other and and won't lie next to each other on a mat, um, but it doesn't happen in ours. And so, when we have our end of year class where we get as many people together into a room as possible, which is about usually forty or fifty, um, you know, everyone's really happy to see each other and wishing each other well for the new year. So. 
So it's kind of, you have to be at our classes. You have to fit in with the vibe. The other thing is that, um, and we've talked about this before, Raf, um, that the, you have to be willing to have ideas challenged and have a bit of a growth mindset because even though our teaching staff come from different qualifications, we all have the same um, direction in our teaching and understanding that evidence-based practice and external cues and, and progressive load, uh, uh, these are all things that we practice in our studio and a, a teacher would have to be willing to have old ideas challenged. <laughs> so that's a really big thing for us. But if they're coming to our classes, they already get that. They're already doing it. They're already doing it. So, um, but I have come across one or two people that, that say that. And then when they do their audition or, you know, when they do their trial, they're not living it. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, 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 yeah, they. So, all right. So, how, so you've got six, six staff. So, yeah. do you, do you, uh, you know, had like, just give me the mechanics of how you, you know, advertise a position or, or do you like, do, do you, for instance, you kind of tap, you know, clients on the shoulder and go, Hey, have you ever thought of becoming a applied instructor or, or do you only just sort of put an ad out and say, Hey, you know, now accepting applications? Like, how do you, how do you do it? We're, we're in a situation now where I, I do the whole tap on the shoulder thing. I, I teach a bunch of people who are already placed teacher qualified. Um, and so that would be an instant, you know, if I, if I tap them on the shoulder, they'd have a job instantly. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, there's, um, uh, there's actually one, one person who's just about finished her cert four with breathe education, um, who we tapped and said, Hey, I think you would actually be a really good Pilates teacher. And I knew her background, she, you know, she used to be a dance teacher many years ago, but she's moved to Australia, had kids, and settled down a little bit. And what's but her name? Let's let's celebrate her. Kate Inman. We love Kate. Shout she's, out to Kate. She's uh, she uh, taught her first classes last week with us and did a brilliant job. So that is awesome. Um, yeah. So um, you know, so we tapped her on the shoulder and said, "Hey, would you think about doing this? We're going. We'll help set you up for success." and get you started and get everything sorted for you, you just have to do the course. And um, So did you pay for the course or, or part pay for it? Or what do you mean, you know, set her up for success? Yeah, so we um, made sure that the course fees were sorted for her as part of a what we call an apprenticeship. So we paid for her course fees. <clears throat> and the only reason we could do that is because the business is running at a profit. Have a profitable business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we could, we, so because we had a profitable business, like step one, <laughs> step two, we tapped someone that we thought would be good and then made sure that, Hey, the course fee, it doesn't matter. You're just going to come work for us. You know? <laughs> so you, you don't worry about the course fee. We'll sort that out and you just do the course, do really well. And then um, once you're done, you can start teaching for us. Um, so, yeah. All right. And how do you, all right. So you've, you know, you've got really clear. So what I'm hearing is you've got really clear criteria around cultural fit and values yes. fit. And that's more important than anything else for us. Right. And you're not too fussed on, you know, 
qualifications or whatever. Obviously, they need some kind of qualifications, but you're not, you yeah. know, you don't discriminate against and discriminate for or against a particular qualification. But it has to be a values fit, and you know that's a values fit because you see them in the front row of your reformer class every Tuesday. Yeah, and they're pumping everyone up, and they're, they're I can say, okay, uh, Jordana, demonstrate this, and this is the move, everyone, do this. And so Jordana will demonstrate it, and, you know, everyone's like, yeah, go Jordana, and then they all try and try and do what Jordana's doing. Shout so, out Jordana, also Breathe Group. Yeah, I've got a great team, Raph, thanks to Breathe. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so things like that where when I'm teaching – I can say, hey, you're doing a great job. How about you demonstrate this next exercise? And mm-hmm. everyone can copy that. Yeah. So and, little and, things like that. And then you have an audition process, which kind of is acts as a kind of a second safety net for people that might, you know, like you might have sort of misread their yeah. level of cultural you, fit. So how, how, do you, yeah. how do you audition and, and what, are the, what are the warning signs that you look for that someone's, you know, a good or bad fit? Okay, so by the time we get to audition phase, I'm kind of 90% sure about this person. Um, so, uh, for so, example... Right, so walk me, walk me through the steps, sorry. What, what are the steps yeah. in between you tapping, you know, Kate on the shoulder and, yeah. you know, the audition? Um, so, as, so if she's qualified or not. <laughs> so they'd have to get the qualifications. That would be a step. Um, so in Kate's case, she hadn't qualified yet, but um, I had the sense that she aligned with our values, was a good cultural fit for our studio. Um, I knew she had teaching experience before with her dance life. Um, so I kind of knew that she could teach <laughs> already because she'd already done it. Um, and it's just about learning the Pilates repertoire and learning how to cue and program was was her big thing mm-hmm. once um once she's ready to go it's it's a case of coming for a lesson hey in and it'll be uh i'll teach you and then sneakily i'll be just saying okay what do you think about this move or if i do this how about that and then it slowly turns into they, they're teaching me like three or four exercises huh. and that's the audition I don't want to advertise it as an audition because people get nervous. <laughs> but we, we're going to turn one of their sessions into an audition. So I sneakily <laughs> figure out. Cat's out of hey, the bag now, Dan. Oh, whoops. <laughs> Kate, Kate, if you're listening, block your ears. <laughs> She's already got the job, Raph, so that's fine. Um, but it's it's a way of me figuring out firstly what's what's their knowledge level like how how can they cue can they think outside the box you know i've got a bit of a weird body it moves a bit differently to maybe what you've seen before can she think about that and then through those processes you can figure out who who's going to be a good teacher or not okay and so you're looking for people to you know be able to think on their feet and also you know Presumably, you're if it's not somebody who's been educated by breathe, you're sort of listening out for you know internal versus external cueing, you know fear fear based versus empowering, you know language that kind of thing. Yeah, and I mean if we hear that, if if I hear that, it would be a situation of just after the session say, hey, um, I heard you say this. What 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 are your, what are your thoughts about that? What's going on there? Um, can you let me 
know some more ideas about what, what you're thinking about. Um, to see whether it's a a really held ingrained belief mm-hmm. or what I find most often is that it's something that just kind of rote learned from yep. previous previous courses. Do you give feedback? Um, because when when we uh, when we um, well we don't necessarily audition people because we're educators. We're not teaching group plays classes to the public. But when we interview and have people come in and and do we have them do a task. You know, so if they're interviewing for say I don't know the student success team, we'll have them answer some emails to students or that kind of thing. You know, um, and then we always give them some feedback. And what we wanted to see is like how do they respond to the feedback? Yeah, yeah. Um, yep. And so you know, so they they you know we ask them for instance if it's just they're interviewing for the student success team, and we might go okay you know respond to this email from a distressed student right, but, and we don't get but we don't get them to send the email to the student. We say, you know, send it to us. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and and so then we and then we send back their email with some feedback. We go, oh well, you know, this is good. And you know, how could you rephrase this so it's got a clearer boundary? Or how could you, you know, it's like we give them some specific feedback, and then we see how they respond to the feedback. And that's actually like a much bigger test in my mind than actually how mm. well they compose the initial email. It's like, are they teachable? Yep. If if I hear the words, oh, how could I do that better? Or what? Or if they've, they've say, for example, they uh, I've heard it before. You know, where they people are cueing everyone's breathing. <laughs> and my question is, why would you, why would you be teaching that? And if they come up with the whole, you know, no CB, oh, you know, because I want those deep abdominals working to help support and you know stabilize their back or whatever bullshit they come up with. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and which, I which to, I'm sure is they don't mean it as bullshit. It's no, like, that's right. So I'm trying to dig in as to whether it's a, a firmly held belief mm-hmm. and whether they have evidence to back that up. Mm. And and then I, if if I can, you know, I would say something like, "Oh, would you like to hear what I think about that?" And if you know, because I've got some different ideas about that. <laughs> if if their initial response is to be very defensive, then I know they're not ready yeah. yet. Yeah. Okay. But if the initial response is, oh, oh, that's very, uh, you know, how, what, what do you think about that? That's where do you get those ideas from? Yeah. That's, that's a sign that this is someone still learning. Yeah. We're all ready to learn. And that's not and that's, that's not fact. a bad thing. That doesn't mean they're that's a beginner. Really great. Yeah, that's yeah. like <laughs> that's a price of admission. Yeah, that's totally right. Yeah. All right. So, all right. So, this is how you get good instructors. How do you keep them? Um, pay them money. So, but Dan, uh, how can you afford to pay them? Because I've got a profit, Raf. <laughs> so I can afford to pay them money, and. Um, we're quite open with how much we pay our teachers and we pay them above market rates. Are you, are you prepared them. to divulge that on, on air? Uh, yes. So um, we we pay our diploma uh, level uh, teachers $60 per class. So that's, that's $60 for how long is the class? 45 minutes. So that's... Quick calculation: dollar twenty-five uh, a minute, something yep. like that. Yeah, dollar thirty-three so, a minute. 
our Cert 4 people get $50 a class. All right. I want to come work for you. <laughs> um, and we, we all, I'm also very conscious of we, we have semi-regular, I'd like it to be more regular, uh, staff meetings. We get to air grievances. <laughs> it's like the old George Costanza. Um, uh, so the airing of grievances. But we, we, we're working together as a team to better the business uh, and part of bettering the business is increasing profit. And so the, the teaching team is always on the lookout of how to maximise the profit for a class. Oh, hold on a sec. Just a moment silence. Okay, that's amazing. <laughs> um, so that's that's something that we're, we've got going on in our studio. So is that, something, what, is that something that you discussed with someone at the point of them interviewing for the job? It's like that's part of the job description? Uh, no, it's it's something that, that naturally just grows out of becoming part of the team. So um, there's, a, there's a level of care. I'd like, I'm, I love my team so much, but the, the level of care for the studio in that they're always looking out to how do we get better with the studio is I've, I've never come across it in a team of teachers. So it's something I'm touch wood, um, you know, really, really love and, and hope never changes. And I want to kind of, it's like lightning in a bottle. You want to capture that and, mm. and run with that mm. for a bit. Um, so, for right. example, we had a we had a meeting a couple of weeks ago, and the big thing was, okay, guys, we're not getting our profit margins going. How can we maximise the profit? Around the room, there was twelve ideas. Bam, bam, bam. We can change this to this, this, and oh, that's fantastic. We've already implemented five of them, uh-huh. and oh, look at that. The class numbers are back up again. Uh-huh. Fantastic. Uh-huh. So. All right, so the the magic formula at Pilates with Dan to retaining great staff is number one, get the right people in the door and keep the wrong people out of the door. Because um, uh, and then number two, pay pay them above market. And I just did a quick calculation, and you're paying eighty dollars an hour for diploma level. Uh, you know, so that's like I guess in the rest of the world we'd call that like a comprehensively certified. You know, basically people are teaching clinical, teaching re- rehab. Um, level stuff. And, and no one's no one's on contracts either. They're, they're, they're all employees. Employed. Yeah, and so super is not an issue. Leave is not an issue. So they get they get um, you know paid annual leave. They get uh, yes. employer contributions to their retirement savings. Uh, that yes. kind of thing. Um, and then so so number one is like a financial you know remuneration. Number two is job security and you know those kind of benefits you know like annual leave and all the rest of it. And number three is they're involved in in decision making around the studio not just they're not just kind of like a gun for hire who rocks in five minutes before the class teaches their class and then rocks out again no they they all have buy-in that's the awesome thing about it and that buy-in comes from those meetings yeah and just because they're already kind of coming to the studio they're in the culture they're with you know ingrained in our community it's that there's that love of that community that they're buying in and it goes back to that these these teachers want to help our community <laughs> so mm-hmm. 
it ties back to that again. All right. And so again, just help me understand the, just the employment structure here. So if I'm a teacher and I'm diploma qualified with you and I'm doing, you know, X number of sessions a week. Okay. Um, and I'm getting paid a salary, right? I get, I get a fixed annual salary based on my sort of average weekly hours that I work. Is that correct? Uh, you have set hours. Right. So I'm working 20 hours a week or 10 hours a week or whatever number. Okay. And so I get, you know, I might be on whatever number. I'm just making up the number here because my math isn't quick enough to figure it out. But let's just say it's like, you know, I'm on $100,000 a year, you know, if I was full-time. But because I work, you know, 10 hours a week instead of 40 hours a week, I'm on you know, $25,000 a year sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and so then so does that, you know, that sort of 10 hours, right, do you build in, you know, the meetings and whatever? Is that, is that 10 hours of actual airtime in front of clients? Or what are those 10 hours or 20 hours or whatever number comprised of? Like, do I get paid to, you know, sweep the floor of the studio after class? Or like, you know, what are, what other stuff do I do as an instructor as, you know, besides just, you know, teach classes? Okay, so um, you're expected to help the the clients, the, the customers book into classes um, if you need that admin help. Um, they're expected to clean the studio, keep it nice and tidy, work ready for our next class. So what um, do you mean like, you know, swabbing the floors with a toothbrush every morning? Like what do you mean? Oh, our, 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 we've got... <laughs> I mean, um, you know, uh, vacuuming up the, the stray bits of hair or dust that comes in. Um, we have a, a maintenance of the machines once a month that that needs to happen. Um, we have our meetings that uh, you get paid for. We have um, what else are they expected? So we we run uh, quarterly training sessions um, where we we sit down and figure out some things or um, workshops, some new ideas, that sort of thing. Um, I run teacher workshops as well, so and our staff go to those for free. Um, uh, what else happens for them? Uh, we need people on board for our end-of-year community class. We need people for our um, – We every couple of years we do a, a photo shoot so they need to be on hand for that as well. And what about uh, so like you know mentoring and ongoing sort of upskilling and things like? Do you do you know what do you do? Is that is that sort of where you run the instructor workshops and your instructors get to yeah. come along? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So it's all about f- filling in knowledge gaps um, and fostering growth. And I mean, ideally, we'd love everyone to be diploma qualified, but not everyone's got time for that. So. Um, you know, getting uh, offering pathways to that is a big thing that I want to try and do um, this this coming year. All right, and uh, how how is your staff retention? Uh, uh, no one, no one leaves. <laughs> so once you come no in, you don't go you out. Uh, actually, I, I tell a lie. We've had um, so uh, two of our teachers. One is currently doing full time uni. Mm-hmm. And so she's having a gap year this year from teaching in the studio, which is totally fine. Hi, Liz. Um, and another uh, teacher who's a Breathe Ed qualified teacher, she's actually moving state. And mm-hmm. it's not not because she hates us or anything. It's just it's uh, um, uh, she's just moving into the state. So 
Um, and I hope she gets a blaze job up in Queensland where she's moving to. And so, all right. So, I mean, I feel like we're 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 coming towards the end of the conversation, but there's just there's kind of one more area I just want to ask you about, which is yeah. like, well, what's what is the, what's what are the future plans? You know, and when I say future plans, I mean like, what's the next kind of six to twelve months? You know, what are your goals for the business? Uh, well, six to twelve months, I'd like to um, increase the profit margin uh, because I'd like to expand the studio space. Because I'd like to have more reformers in this. Because <laughs> everyone's twenty five grand a year in your back pocket. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, that's that's our big plan. So uh, we've got a, a new space that we can uh, sort of knock a wall out into uh, in the next twelve months, um, and that will be uh, allowing us to have more reformers. Um, awesome. Yeah. How, how many are you going to shoot for? Um, so I, using your little calculator, <laughs> um, so we're looking at probably a 14 reformer. Oh setup. yeah. Now you're so cooking with gas. That's a double, that's a double of what we've got. Yeah. So you will, you will way more than double your profits. I know. I know. The fixed, so, um, the fixed costs would increase by $10 a class with a new space rent. Um, uh, so, but the potential revenue will increase by one hundred and forty dollars a class. Yeah, well, yeah, probably closer to one hundred and fifty dollars a class. Yeah, but yeah, and that's before we have any sort of price adjustments going into next year. All right. So, um, I mean, there there's so much gold in this uh, conversation, um, and you know, in your experiences, Dan. But if I was to kind of you know draw out that what I see as the key nuggets, it's like okay, well the the key, you know, big rocks that people can shift to increase the profitability of their business really quickly is number one, put your prices up. Yes. Um, number and, and use Leslie Logan's formula. Just like, well, how much do you want to earn? Yep. Um, don't don't look around at the studios around you and go, oh, she's charging twelve dollars fifty, so I better charge twelve dollars fifty. Don't so worry. We're, don't... we're in a yeah, we're in a space. There are five other reformer studios around us, and their prices are half hours. Yeah. People, yeah. people, people. You know, the people you want to have as your clients don't shop on price. That's right. Uh, all right. So number one, put your prices up. Number two. Uh, put in more reformers, people. Put in more reformers. Um, number three, uh, now that you have a profitable business, hire great people and pay them uh, you know, accordingly so that they stay. And so the great thing about that is you do less work and get more money. <laughs> yep. And the client, the client <laughs> service improves. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Um, and uh, step four, sit back and relax and enjoy life. No, step four is then learn more. Learn <laughs> more and do it all over again. Learn yeah. more. <laughs> is there anything else that you want to add, Dan? Um, no, I, I just that I know it's hard as a small business owner, and um, but there are there are tools that are easy to access, um, and RAF's a really big uh, help in in providing tools that don't cost any money. <laughs> it's just, just advice. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I'm going to do, do an episode on putting your prices up soon. I mean, maybe we've already done too many episodes on putting your prices up. 
but I've noticed not everyone has put their prices up yet. So apparently <laughs> we haven't done enough episodes on that. Yeah, yeah, more more price rises. Be good. Um, we at Breathe Education, by the way, we walk the talk. We're doing a forty percent price rise on our diploma in May twenty twenty two. So, um, yeah, just yeah. So FYI, it's uh, good because profit margins will go up. Right, and that means we'll be able to offer even better service better to the people service. who enrol. Yeah. Like, because we ask one of the questions we ask when we're trying to design, you know, the course which we do constantly, is uh, like, well, if people were, if these people were paying us a hundred thousand dollars to do the course, you know, what would we do for them? You know, yeah. what what level of service would we provide for them? And then we try and provide that and figure out, okay, how can we provide that for one tenth of the cost? Yeah, that's awesome, Dan. You're awesome. Your business is awesome. And this conversation has been awesome. Thanks, Raf. I had an awesome time. Keep being awesome. See ya. See you, mate. After two exercise science degrees and over a decade and a half of reading research daily, I've condensed all the current science on rehab into a program called the Clinical Exercise Specialist rehabilitation. Inside the program, I'll teach you to do three things. One, deeply understand how the body works. Two, confidently and expertly rehab literally any client. And three, get results for your clients. So ultimately, your clients tell their friends and you become known as the go-to expert in your area. This program is completely unlike any education you've done before, even if you've studied with us before, because of the way we've built the learning design. It's an online, flexible, skill-based learning program, which means you keep doing the skills under supervision until you're good at them. It's more of a mentorship model than a traditional course model. So rather than rushing through the content and having sort of one go at everything, you actually just practice live and we give you feedback and guidance and we dialogue and explore concepts together until you're highly skilled and confident. We just keep working the material until you get it. It's not rushed at all. It's not about ticking off the content. It's about engaging, practicing and applying it until you own it. This is a life-changing program, not some weekend certification. I've put my heart and soul into building this, and I can't wait to share it with you and help you discover your genius for anatomy and rehab. Now, because of the highly interactive nature of this program, we're only taking on 12 students worldwide. The program starts on March the 1st, and the first 12 qualified people to apply will be allowed to enroll. So if you're interested in learning more, click the link in the show notes and download the course guide or go to breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification menu in our uh, link in the top menu. That's breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification link in the top menu.